0: Amen. Would you give all of our crew a round of applause if you enjoyed that? Thank you, Nikki, for orchestrating all of that. Nikki put all of that together, and she did a wonderful job, so thank you, Nikki. Kiddos, you did a great job. Listen, I said earlier, it's not a Christmas program if it's not a little wonky and chaotic, right? Like, that's what makes it so great. Um, It just reminds me that nothing is neat and tidy. Everything's a little messy sometimes, especially with the littlest ones. But what a beautiful reminder that God meets us in the middle of that mess, and it's a blessing anyways. Um, So great job, you guys. That was so lovely. Thank you all so much. All right, I know you've been up and down a lot, but your body is going to thank you. So I'm going to invite you to stand one more time for the reading for today from Psalm 85. Hear the word of the Lord. You, Lord, showed favor to your land. You restored the fortunes of Jacob. You forgave the iniquity of your people, and you covered all their sins. You set aside all your wrath and turned from your fierce anger. Restore us again, God our Savior, and put away your displeasure toward us. Will you be angry with us forever? Will you prolong your anger through all generations? Will you not revive us again that your people may rejoice in you? Show us your unfailing love, Lord, and grant us your salvation." I will listen to what God the Lord says. He promises peace to his people, his faithful servants, but let them not turn to folly. Surely his salvation is near those who fear him, that his glory may dwell in our land. Love and faithfulness meet together. Righteousness and peace kiss each other. Faithfulness springs forth from the earth and righteousness looks down from heaven. The Lord will indeed give what is good, and our land will yield its harvest. Righteousness goes before him and prepares the way for his steps. This is the word of God for the people of God. Can you say thanks be to God? Thanks be to God. You may be seated. It's the season where there are many things that are vying for our attention, right? There are a number of things, uh, more than we could really possibly list today. Um, among some of those things, we we face this this vying of massive consumerism, right? You need this, and your shopping's not done until you have this, right? Oh, Amazon just came out with this new thing, and, and you're going to need that, or there's this deal. It's, it's 5% off. And so you probably need to add that to your list. Your kid needs this. It's not quite done. And, and we just kind of see that all the way up until Christmas Day. Uh, commercialism constantly vying for our attention. You want to throw an ugly sweater party? We have every ugly sweater accessory you need, down to the little paper ugly sweater that you can put on your straw. We have everything you need. We want you to have the best ugly sweater party, so buy every little last detail and accessory to make it great. Then you will be fulfilled at Christmas time, right? We vying for our attention is that familiar nostalgia that we want to feel this time of year, many of us, those warm and fuzzy feelings. And you might say, well, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with that is we've commercialized that too, right? You need to buy this trinket or this sweatshirt or this item that reminds you of your childhood, that reminds you of, of the nostalgia of Christmas past. You need these things, and then your heart will be complete at Christmas time. Among all of the things vying for our attention this time of year is one of my absolute favorites, the Hallmark Channel, and cheesy Christmas movies, right? I'm not going to ask who watches and who doesn't. That's none of my business. You can watch as many Hallmark Christmas movies as you'd like. You can eat all the Christmas treats while you're watching the same plot play out time and time again with different colored hair characters, uh, among the things vying for our attention at Christmas time are these Hallmark movies. Listen, I am not throwing shade at the Hallmark channel, okay? I enjoy a cheesy Christmas flick every now and again. I'm not judging you, I have no issues with it. But my goodness, I can't help but feel at the end of one of these movies, just this gaping hole in my life because I didn't save my small town. I'm not a big city girl that can go back home and make everything right again. I don't have the right words to say at the family Christmas dinner and everybody's happy and fine and we're all smiling as the camera slowly goes away. And even though I'm happily married, these movies have a way of making you say, "Why? Why don't you do this? Why don't you orchestrate a snowstorm in 70 degree weather so that I can be happy and fulfilled at Christmas time? What is wrong with you?" Right? Somehow these these movies have this magical power to make you walk away feeling a gaping hole in your life of some kind. These are some of the things vying for our attention at Christmas time. Listen, for real, I don't have a problem with these movies. I do just wonder if the Hallmark Channel is trying to sell us a very particular kind of love, a very particular kind of experience, one that could leave us severely lacking when the movie is over right and and i wonder what what is the purpose of these movies what do they aim to teach us about love and you're like nothing it's just entertainment at christmas time that's all it is right but i do wonder as i'm thinking about love our theme today this is what comes to mind as i'm thinking about love at christmas time i'm thinking about these movies see they're doing a really good job or a really poor job i don't even know anymore but the kind of love that we're talking about today on the second Sunday of Advent, friends, I'm here to tell you, it is not a hallmark kind of love. I, spoiler alert, I'm so sorry to let you down. It's not a hallmark kind of love. The kind of love that we're talking about today is a much messier kind of love. It's a love that, that is, is so messy. I mean, have you really paid attention to the Christmas story? Have you really paid attention to the details that we read as we read about Jesus' lineage and all the people involved in his history? And and have you ever really thought about the messiness of this divine conception on Mary and Joseph and their family? This is a messy story. It's perfect and beautiful, but it's messy, It's honest, right? This is an honest kind of Advent, which is part of what makes it so messy. Last week, we talked about our honesty to God seen in our lamenting, that there is room for honest lamenting, that God welcomes our honest lamenting, and it's messy. When we look at the themes of love during Advent, we see a very different kind of love. It's not the kind of love that's portrayed in Hallmark movies. And friends, can I also say, let me add to that, that we rarely see the kind of love that we're going to talk about today in our relationships with each other. It's so divine that even then we rarely see this kind of love in our relationships with others. So speaking of messy, again, last week we talked about lament. And last week, we talked about how lamenting is begging God to listen, that part of our lamenting, part of our honest cries before God about our heartache, about our devastating experiences, about our sadness, our sorrow, our suffering, our pain, part of our lamenting is begging God to listen. It's saying, God, are you there? Can you hear me? God, do you hear the cries of my heart? I am begging you. Some people might even be demanding God to listen. And today's psalm that we read in 85, Psalm 85, it's also considered a lament, but it's a lament that is deeply rooted and centered in God's faithfulness and never ending love. In this psalm, we see this call of the community, of those who are crying out to God. We see this call for God to remember who God is in this covenant. There's this call for God to proclaim his faithfulness once again. And if you notice, similar to last week, there are questions that are being asked of God, right? Did you pick up on those questions? Read it again. There are these questions that are being asked of God or to God, directed towards God. But here's what's a little bit different and interesting about these questions versus last week's questions. Last week, we were begging God to listen. We were, we were crying out to God saying, God, are you there? What do you have to say for yourself in a way, if we're being really honest? These questions are questions that require us to do the listening. There is a time and a place for asking the questions of God He welcomes that. He can handle our questions. But there are also times, there is a time for us to ask questions to God of ourselves, about ourselves, and we are the ones who have to do the listening. And that's the posture this week. There are questions, honest questions that that demand answers from God. But this week's passage asks us, are we willing to sit with and are we willing to open ourselves to these questions that demand an honest answer from us, that demand some reflection from us? As we've seen, if we're talking about Israel, Right? Like last week, Israel had these accusatory questions and cries towards God, but there is a time coming when God is going to have to speak to Israel and Israel will have to listen to God. Even if it's hard, even if it's a rebuke, even if it demands repentance, Israel must be open to God in return. Something we notice in this psalm, we see this word, Lord, of course, that is used, but but we need to also recognize that the Hebrew word used here for Lord is Yahweh, this familiar word for God that, that we all know. But this word Yahweh, this this name for God, Yahweh, holds significant meaning. And Yahweh, when, when the people of God are addressing Yahweh, when they're speaking to and naming Yahweh, they are pointing back to the God who has covenanted himself with Israel through Abram. They are remembering a time when God declared his faithfulness, his covenant with his people, and they are recalling this God who has drawn near, who has forgiven, who has been faithful. They are calling on this God once again, even more so. In verse 7, we see this cry, God, give us your unfailing or, or steadfast love, depending on which translation you're reading. And, and that word, unfailing or steadfast love, is this Hebrew word, hesed. I'm not going to like, you know, do that every time. So just know it's hesed, but I'm not going to do that every time if we say this word because we're going to say it a lot. But this word hesed, you need to understand that this is not a Hallmark movie kind of love. This word, this hesed, this love is a love. I put some of the description on the screen. It's an enduring, committed, promise-keeping, generous, and loyal kind of love. I told you last week that we're looking a lot at Dr. Dan Boone, who is the president of Trevecca Nazarene University and has authored this year's devotional. And I love how Dan Boone says, "Hesed is the behavior that one person has the right to expect of the other in light of promises that were made. We're talking about a covenant, a relationship that is rooted in faithfulness, and therefore one party can expect a certain behavior or response from the other in light of that covenant that was made. Friends, as I said, this is not a, a wishy-washy kind of love. This is not a a Hallmark movie kind of love. This is not a warm and fuzzy, I'm just here for the goosebumps and and warm hearted kind of love. This is not a fickle kind of love that depending on the circumstances may stay or go. Hesed is a faithful, reliable, as we said, loyal kind of love. It's the kind of love that, again, I think we rarely see this kind of love lived out in its fullest, but, but you might see this kind of love in the, in the heart of a, of, a, of a faithful spouse who, who loves and serves their spouse with this generous Christ-like love, even when it's not always reciprocated, even when they're waiting to receive that kind of love in return. It's, it's that deep and that sacred It's the kind of love that moves a father to get up in the night and to go and and rescue his drug-addicted son for the seventh time because he's not willing to watch his son be in danger even though he has caused it. It's a love that demands action. It's a love that shows up. It's a love that's relentless. It's a love that others will look at and say, isn't that enough? Haven't you done enough? Haven't you been patient enough? Haven't you shown up enough? When are you going to consider your thoughts and your feelings? That's not what kind of love, the kind of love we're talking about here. Show us your unfailing, steadfast love, oh God. This is the cry of a people who acknowledge that they have not always upheld their end of the covenant This is the cry of a people who acknowledge that they have not always been faithful to God and yet this God is always faithful to them. This is the cry of a people who recall the God of Genesis 15 when he covenants himself to Abram and his people, his descendants, and walks the path that both parties normally walk during a covenant. Do you know that part of the story? you have to know or be reminded of that part of the story. In Genesis 15, we read about this sort of ritual that happens when two parties are making a covenant with one another. This was a very normal thing. That happened during this time. And when two parties were making a covenant with one another, they took it very seriously, and they did some some what seems to us to be some strange things to solidify this covenant, right? There was the bloodshed of animals involved. It was very serious and very odd for, for our ears and our eyes. We just look and we're thinking, that's a little extreme, but but the blood of these animals would be shed and they would be split into two and they would put them on each side and each party would walk through the middle and they are declaring through this act, through this, this sacred act, that, that our covenant is so significant. Our covenant with each other is so serious that if this covenant be broken, it's, it's even more devastating than, than what's happened with these animals right here. That's how serious this covenant is. And in Genesis 15, we see that God directs Abram to set this scene, to get the animals to do the things that that need to be done. We'll keep it, you know, PG or G. And so God tells Abram to do these things. And then God, his presence is seen in this smoking pot, in this this fiery smoke, and, and God does something unheard of. He walks the path for both parties. God walks the path for himself and for Abram. And it's this beautiful moment where we see just how serious this God is when it comes to him covenanting himself with people. And we would see this play out between God and Israel time and time again, where God is essentially walking the path for both parties. And even though Israel has failed, and they have turned their backs on God, they have questioned God, they have let God down, and yet God walks that path for both parties every single time, Show us your steadfast, unfailing love once again, oh God. That is what the people of God are calling out for in this psalm. They're asking God, I know I've asked you a million times. I know, God, it's exhausting and we've been here so many times, but we're asking you once again to remember your covenant with us. We are recognizing our sin and our unfaithfulness towards you. And we are remembering your great, immovable love for us. And they are asking God to forgive and restore once again. Friends, I need you to understand that this kind of love, this hesed, is a love that God demonstrates to Israel time and time again. But I want you to hear me this morning this is the kind of love God has for you. This is the kind of love that God has for us that's made available to us today. This is the kind of love that we celebrate on the second Sunday of Advent. That even though we have broken The relationship many times. We have broken this covenant with God many times. We have let God down. We have doubted him. We have turned our back on him. We have questioned him so many times. We have questioned his love, his faithfulness, his presence, his ability to do what he says he will do. We have been angry with him. And yet, this is the kind of love that continues to show up for us, even in the midst of our questions and our turning away. God. And listen, I want to say that it's really easy to question just how loving this God is when we don't really ever experience a love of this depth in our relationships with others, right? We're human. We're it's messy. We we let each other down, like we cannot expect anyone to live up to, to this level, although with God all things are possible. And so somehow we see this kind of love play out. But but so often we do not receive this kind of love in our relationships, and that plays into how we view God. Right? If you've been abandoned, if you have been let down, if your heart has been broken, if someone you loved has left you, if someone you love has abused you and hurt you, it's easy to put that on God and say, God, I can't. It's easy to project onto God the bad or negative human experiences we have had. We project our unworthiness, our abandonment, our traumas onto God. And yet, Advent is a time to reflect and to remember the hessed of God. The hessed of God, a love so immense, so intense that God took on flesh and became human and made his dwelling among us, lived among us, showed us what it looks like to love, showed us what it looks like to show up, and ultimately laid down his life in love for us. This is the love that we celebrate during the season of Advent. This is the the heart of God as seen in the Christmas story. Friends, God's love is abiding and faithful. You can count on him and his love for you. You don't have to question his love for you. He is faithful. His love is never ending. And friends, it's greater. This gift of God's love is greater than any gift you can receive. Like, don't go out this season and look for this love anywhere else. You will be let down time and time again. This is the kind of love that you can't buy, that you can't find, that you can't receive at Christmas time and hope that it carries you through until the next season. This is a, a distinct, particular kind of love that is made available to you here and now, and it truly is this gift that keeps on giving. When we receive this love of God, when we open our hearts to this love and receive this love, it changes us. It transforms our hearts. It melts the heart of stone. And this love is a love that is capable of being lived out to other people so that other people can see and experience the love of God in and through us. I don't know how it's possible. I just know that in God, in the Holy Spirit, through Christ our Lord, it's possible. This is the love, the gift that keeps on giving. It transforms our lives in every way if we would let it. But there is this posture that is expected of us that we would open ourselves up to God and receive this love. There is a posture for us today. Today we put ourselves in the position of the one who will listen to God, who will open up our hearts and say, God, what do you want to say to me? God, what do you want to reveal to me? What do you want to show me? And we are invited to receive this love and allow it to transform our lives in every single way. And it's so powerful that it can transform the relationships with others. It can transform our relationship with others. I don't have a slide for this, but Dan Boone says this. He says, Advent is leaning into repentance as we wait for the Lord to show us again the steadfast love promised in the covenant. The people ask to hear what the Lord has to say to them but they also open themselves up to this penetrating truth that might expose their sin. And they believe that when God comes, that when God makes his dwelling in our hearts, that relational peace is made possible because and only because of God's steadfast love. Listen, one of the lines that I, will ask Kevin to come, he's going to come and play, um, one of the, the lines or the verses that I sat with all week is, is this, this idea of righteousness and peace that are kissing. And I'm just like, what does that look like? What does that mean exactly when righteousness and peace would kiss? What does that mean? And I'll admit, I will confess that I don't completely know what it looks like when righteousness and peace kiss. But I do pay close attention to these words, these three words that are used there, of faithfulness and righteousness and peace. And these are the characteristics of God. And these are the characteristics of a steadfast, of a a God who has such a steadfast love. These are the characteristics of God that we can receive and live out. In other words, what I'm trying to say is, I think that God's faithfulness and love and salvation is this dynamic activity in which these characteristics meet and greet each other and they are lived out together. Does that make sense? It's this beautiful faithfulness and and peace and righteousness of God that offers itself to us and and lends itself to us and we can receive and live this out so that the salvation of God that is offered to us can be lived and experienced time and time again. Friends, Advent is a good season to reflect on the Hesed, the steadfast love of God that is so great, that is so immense, that God became human and made his dwelling among us. So my question for you is, are you open to receiving that kind of love again today? Would you open yourself up to this kind of love today? And I know that everybody's at their own places in their journeys. And so this is not meant to, to stir up a response in you. If that happens, then that's fine. But this is not, you know, come in and be resaved again, okay? This is simply opening yourself up to God's love and letting it transform your heart, let it penetrate into your heart and change you from the inside out again. This is us opening ourselves up to God and saying, "God, may your love May your love be so great and make its home in my heart in such a way that as I leave this place and interact with others who are complicated, who are messy, who are difficult, who hurt me, who offend me, who let me down, who judge me, who oppress me, who cause me pain, that I may be able to live this love out and that it might transform their hearts in the process because God's love is just that great. So as we go through this time of prayer, I want to invite you to take a posture of humility, whatever that means. Our altars are not here, but I want you to take a posture of humility. So if that's praying at your seat or or kneeling or coming forward and kneeling, I want you to take a posture that is open to God as we pray together. May we create space for the God of the universe, for the God of all creation, to make himself known, to make his love known to us again. God, we let you have your way in this moment as we remember and reflect on your love that is so great, that is so steadfast, that is so loyal. God, may we receive from you what it is that you have for each of us in this moment. God, I don't wanna dictate what you might say. It's impossible to know what you might say to each person. And so I invite you, Holy Spirit, to make your voice known make your presence known to us would you speak to our hearts in such a real and distinct way in this moment if we are open maybe some of us just need to be reminded that even though you have been hurt and let down and abandoned Maybe some of you just need that a reminder that God's love for you is not one that will hurt or leave or abandon. That you can count on this steadfast, loyal love. That it's made available to you. Maybe some of, some of us, probably all of us, could open ourselves up to, is there something that I need to confess before God? Is there something that God needs to point out in my heart that I need to offer up to him in, in, in repentance this morning? God, we open our hearts up to you and we ask you to show us. Show us if there is any sin in our heart that needs to be confessed. We take the posture of listening. God, forgive us for the ways that we have not demonstrated this kind of love. Forgive us, God, for when we have hurt others or caused them pain. I pray that as we close this time and as we prepare to leave this place, I pray that this loyal, steadfast love, that we would remember the greatness of your love, that we would experience this love and that we would carry this love with us. God, we thank you that you are a God who listens to our cries. You are a God who listens to our honest and messy laments. But God, we, today we also thank you that you are a God that even in the midst of our mess and our sin and our failures, Are our unfaithfulness that God, we can take the posture of listening and openness and we can receive a word, your word, we can receive forgiveness and restoration and redemption. We thank you for being a God that is big enough for both of these realities. And we thank you, God, for this love, this love that is so great. May this be the love that we search for this season. May this be the love that we grasp and, and, and that we hold to tightly this season. All the other things are great and fine and and, and joys to celebrate during this season. But God, may this love be what, what truly matters most to us, seeking and sharing this love. And God, we thank you for your faithfulness. We thank you for your faithfulness. And we pray that you would go with us as we leave this place and that we would remain faithful to you. And we pray this in the name of God, our Father, and Christ, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, amen Amen and amen. Would you stand with me this morning? This may be a record time. It's 11.35. (laughs) How do you like that for a 20-minute sermon? Maybe. I don't even know. But this is record time, so I just had to note that. Friends, you're invited to stay and and fellowship with us this morning. Today is Sack Lunch Sunday, and uh, for those of you who brought a lunch grab your lunch find a place to sit find some friends to sit with if you didn't bring a lunch you are still invited to stay it's been my experience we've only done a handful of these so far but there's always food to share there's always enough to go around and today is special because today we are exchanging cookies now We've never done a cookie exchange sack lunch Sunday before, so I don't exactly know how this will work, but we are mostly all adults here, right? And we can handle getting a small bag that has been provided for you by the cookies and grabbing a few treats that you can take, and let's make sure everybody gets some, and what's left at the end, we can go back and and go crazy, okay? But uh, I hope that you will enjoy sharing cookies, sharing stories, sharing recipes, and sharing fellowship and love together. And as you leave, I want to share with you this benediction from Lamentations three twenty-two and 23. Receive these words. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Friends, his mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning, and great is his faithfulness. Amen and amen. Go in his peace and in his love. You are dismissed.